0: The following podcast is an embassy row production.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing. I'm Darren Garb and I'm with oh. oh, I thought you were gonna enter No, I decided not to.
2: I Are wanted you, just you to biased? have your own moment. I want to have your own moment. What oh, if I froze?
1: Okay. When I was just like
2: <gasps> I didn't know, I thought that's what I happened. Know. I know. Well, okay. well, I'm Liz Cully and welcome to Scissories and a Thing.
1: And this week's big for us, Liz. I have to get this up top. I think we should announce it because we're on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Darren
2: started it. I'm so proud.
1: At SIAT Podcast, of course, just like our Instagram. And listen, if you want to follow our TikTok account, we highly recommend only because you'll get to see that Liz and I are old and don't know what we're doing. And that I feel like makes for better TikToks. Maybe, the, maybe I'm wrong about that.
2: No, 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 no. I think you're correct. I'm very, um, I'm scared. I'm a I'm little scared. scared. <sighs> yeah, I just want to be like, is this
1: thing on? Like, do we know what the hell we're doing? So follow us on TikTok and listen, give us advice because we will take that advice uh, in, in every regard.
2: Okay, well, and if you're going to do that, then I'm going to say I need 700 followers on my Instagram to make it to 10,000 so that I can get a godforsaking swipe up. So please follow me, Listen to Liz, and like, subscribe. Can I please do a video that says don't follow Atlas into Liz? No, Darren, this is I serious feel like business. Will, but I feel like people will follow you because I'm saying not to follow you. No, Darren, that's not how this works over here, okay? Fair enough, fair um, enough. Speaking, well- speaking of... Things happening that are in the wild. I don't even know what I'm talking about. My espresso hasn't clicked in. You ran physically into somebody, did you not?
1: I did. I, well, I would say that she ran into me because I was walking, oh, okay, but she was okay. running. Uh, I, I'm going to share her first name out. I think that's fine. I don't want to see her last name just in, for privacy reasons, but Sarah, you know who you are uh, when, I, when I shout her out because I did tell her I was going to do a story about this. But yeah, I'm walking along the East River yesterday and like an idiot, I'm in sweatpants and it's like, you know, 80 degrees with like 98% humidity. So I look horrendous. I'm pretty confident I'm wearing this shirt, by the way, which is camp high. And- I'm running and I see this lovely girl heading towards me. And she, she, I had my AirPods in or whatever. And she stopped me and she's like, Are you Darren? And I was like, Yes. Uh, which you never, like, you never know if someone's gonna like punch you in the face or say something terrible. Or sometimes I have haters. And she was just like, huge fan. Uh, sorry to misspeak, Sarah, if I did, but she was just like, I love you and Liz on scissoring isn't a thing. Like, it basically it really helped me. And I'm a huge fan of you and Liz. I've discovered you guys through Taylor Strecker. And, Uh, I was like, "Well, I'm gonna call Liz right now and tell her," and she was like, "Are you kidding?" I was like, "No, I'm literally as soon as you're gone, I'm calling Liz," and I did. And this bitch, meaning Liz, just
2: ignores my call, like because I was doing an Instagram live. I was, you saw it on the social. I was doing an Instagram live talking about you and I. I said, I need to be priority number one. That's
1: like okay. I'm number one. Rachel's number two. Ravioli's three. Actually. Wait, scratch it. I'm Ravula number one. Number ravioli one. is two. Then Rachel's three. And then everything else comes after us.
2: No, I know. But if you watch even the Instagram live, it's me saying during it. I'm like, oh, my God, Darren won't stop calling <laughs> me. I
1: called <laughs> you once. I called you once. But it's maybe I called you twice. I think you I called was, me twice. Of course, I was assuming you were in some big meeting. And I was like, oh, my God, I just interrupt. So I'm like, not that CJ's not a big meeting. But I was like, she's in the middle of presenting something for Condé. And here I am like. My ugly mug is like calling her on her cell phones because you hung up no. so quickly. And I forgot that you were doing CJ's thing. So I was like, oh, my God. I I was like, she's going to yell at me later. And then when you texted me and you called me back and you were like, oh, my God, when I texted you and you called me, I was like, whew, OK, I didn't fuck anything up. But no. Anyway, yes, I ran into a fan in the wild. Uh, this would have been a good time to TikTok that, I think. But we weren't on tick uh, at that point. But I think she must live close to us because I wasn't far from where I live. And she was in the ether. And she's a marathon runner, so she
2: did. She did message me because, you know, I posted that I was jealous of I'm, that interaction. Right. Obviously. Which is like-
1: Right, which is like stupid because she mentioned you. I think she mentioned you probably before she mentioned me. Like she knew who I was, well, but she mentioned you first. Well, tracks. i yeah, kidding. <laughs> I hate you, Liz. I hate I'm you. i just
2: kidding. Wait, okay. I trolled
1: well, you yesterday with, with a screen grab of something because your face looked so, like your eyes were like bugging when you were talking about this story. And I was like, I'm trolling her.
2: <laughs> well, listen, for the amount of trolling, which we will remain our trolling is private between you and I it's, we I only
1: troll each other because it's fun. We would never troll anyone private. else. And it's out of love. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: But speaking of fucking trolling,
1: how weather, are you gonna sequitur this? I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna let you try and sequitur this. Do you see what I'm doing yeah, here? I see the weather, struggles.
2: humidity. Um, Amazon Prime announced yesterday that they will be basically doing a what I am viewing this as, is a like yeah. real L word spinoff in Tampa Bay. And it's called Tampa Bay. B A S. Get it? Get it? It is exactly
1: real L word though. I mean, I mean, maybe yes. it'll be, I mean, obviously I think it's going to be slightly different just because the real L word came out like 10 years ago at this point, And so I think the scene has probably changed and there's probably more of a diverse cast to choose from of people no, who are queer? No. I, is it well, just lesbians?
2: Queerness. Okay, so here's. I meant queerness,
1: yes. a diverse queerness. Of the letters.
2: Okay, so yes. there has been a lot of backlash since yesterday that there is no diversity in terms of race with the cast and it's a pretty big mm. cast. And so it is. it's um, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, which is, uh, I know that's
1: more lesbians than I've known in my entire life. Okay. <laughs> You're like, and let alone in Tampa. 12
2: lesbians in this world. <laughs> I should have moved to Tampa. I guess this is interesting or not. So there's a lot of backlash on lesbian TikTok, or rather queer Instagram, I should say. I think not just the lesbians were upset, but they were very, uh, a couple of famous uh, YouTubers such as Amber's Closet, shout out to Amber, knew you very well back in the day. And some of the real L Word folks, original cast, were commenting that there was no diversity in terms of race. So- That seems weird
1: that they were commenting though. Like, is that not weird? Like- I do think to some extent, though, this gets a little repetitive when people complain about some things not being perfect, because like it's a to me, it's a very privileged position as a gay person, as someone in the LGBTQ plus community to now be complaining that like, yeah, okay, great. You found 12 lesbians, but like they're not other criteria that we have to hit like. I think it just used to be that kind of like having a diverse cast in terms of just sexuality was big. And now we need diversity within the diversity, which, of course, is never a bad thing. But I also don't think like that makes the series unwatchable, too. Like, I think we should also be celebrating it a little bit that, you know, it's so mainstream that the streamers are now picking it up kind of thing. I mean, I think that's a good sign as itself. I'm not saying that's like the end all be all perfect position, but I do kind of want to at least acknowledge that it's a good thing.
2: Yeah. Maybe not a
1: perfect thing, but a good thing.
2: It'll be really interesting to see what this show is like. I'm sure you and I will have a lot of comments about it. On our TikTok. On our TikTok. On our TikTok. (laughs) Just
1: continuing (laughs) on our our TikTok. TikTok.
2: And speaking of TikToks, you do like my segues this week. I'm really keeping us on track here. Let me tell you. You really are. Speaking of ridiculousness, TikTok, social media, 10 years ago. We've got Jared Lipscomb, who's a very close friend of mine, on the show this week, and he is on the ground for the Free Britney movement. He is a uh, makeup artist and drag queen and an incredible person. In terms of the Free Britney stuff, though, because he's so heavily involved, crazily involved. Where we're at
1: now, which is, you know, second to last week of July. Do we think Britney is running her own Instagram account? Because there were okay. so many theories that she wasn't. Which kind of made sense considering the verbiage that was on it, given the juxtaposition of what was happening in IRL, like in real time in the courts. But now, because of this latest post, or at least the one that by the time you guys are listening to it happened like three or four days ago, it seems like she's running her own account.
2: Am I okay. wrong? Okay, So, no. So Jared is sort of the man on the ground for all things Free Brittany, your friend and my new friend, Amanda Hirsch, not skinny, not fat. They are friends and she reposts a lot of his videos oh, and when he goes right. to the court, etc. Amanda posted something really interesting and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. She posted a theory that effectively it's still the conservatorship. That is still running the account, but trying to put a wedge in between Britney and her family.
1: So you're saying that the Instagram account is a tool in order to separate the family. But I feel like, why do you need Instagram? They're already separated. Like, Britney already fucking hates her sister and father.
2: A hundred percent. But I think she's just created, or rather they're creating more kind of confusion and buzz, etc. I don't know. I can just say this to you. Whether it's Britney... Or somebody else running her Instagram account—they are very strange. Not it like is it is strange. very, very, very strange to me. I find the like it's robotic. It if you don't like it, and like she had right now, it's like she had flowers in her hair. I mean, did you see the my yoga pose will not make me fart one?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I, I did it's so. And weird. I don't know, it's it's a weird thing for me because I think the reason like all of this kind of got started was because people were like overly obsessed with her and people were paying a million dollars to get a paparazzi shot. And that right. was kind of what framing Britney Spears was about, which I actually, up for two na- Emmy nominations, by the way, I just talked about it on Good Morning America on Saturday. But I also think that like having all these theories and like being involved in it as heavily as I think we're talking about it now is also part of the problem to an extent. No, like, I know. It's, it's so hard to say, like, is it fake? Is it not fake? Like, to me, it feels, and listen, I do this for a living. So maybe I'm a walking hypocrite here and I'm kind of, I'm okay with admitting that. But to me, there's something a little bit like, maybe we should all like leave her alone for a little while. I mean, I, I think the publicity is kind of, is is good for her to know that the public backs are 100% um, or for the most part but, but I do think a little bit like, are we contributing to this? No, I know. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that makes me feel shitty. Like I don't want to contribute to something that's going to be bad for her and or anybody else, you know? And I, I think social media itself probably isn't it's a good tool and it's a bad tool. Right. And like, as much as we want to like, as much as you and I have to comment on these things, I also feel a little icky when we do that. I think Jared, obviously his goal is to free Brittany. And I think his goal is like nothing but support and compassion and everything that it can possibly be. But for me, like commenting on whether or not she's running her own Instagram account just feels so,
2: I don't know. I just feel so bad. I feel so bad too. It's gotta be um, a horrible existence. Yeah. It's a mess. Like
1: money aside, like imagine I'm just thinking about this. Like, because I was doing a, and we'll get to Jared's interview in a second, but I was doing the uh, a top five moment in reality check on this, and it's like, okay, her dad like taking advantage of her like is shitty, but her sister, like Jamie Lynn Spears, oh, like I know. Do you know what? Like that's it's almost sicker to me because like siblings are equals, you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Like they they're the only two that know what it's like to have. Jamie and Lynn as parents. And so, like, you would feel like there'd be a camaraderie. Like, if anyone in Britney's family was going to be on Britney's side, it should be Jamie Lynn.
2: That's me. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're totally right. That feels like the most egregious. And I think the way it's being covered is just, it's sensationalizing it in such an extreme way. I mean, listen, I think... You know, this is where we come up with kind of the back and forth between is social media a good thing or a bad thing, right? Like in some ways it's good because I think it's both. Yeah. We're like really aware of what's going or rather of an issue that's there. We're not really aware of like the ins and outs of things. But then also to your point, it's like, should we be covering this nonstop? I know.
1: Well, and like the and the pace of it, it's hard to. See. I mean, this is kind of how misinformation and I think like things get hyped. It's like, it's so easy to just read a story. It's so easy to replicate false information on social media yeah. when it's like sensationalized in any sort of way. Like, you get rewarded for likes and you get rewarded to kind of have clickbaity things. And so, for like, in a lot of ways, like Hulu capitalizing on the fame of Britney Spears, but the documentary is all about how like it's really shitty to have this kind of mentality. And then everyone's like, yeah, free Britney. Like we all made fun of her back in the day, but now free Britney. I'm like, we're kind of still doing that in a lot of ways by being so speculative about what's going on. Like, I think you can support Britney and still be a good, I don't know, observer of it, I guess, as opposed to someone who's like sensationalizing it in the wrong way further. And Jared is not, I think Jared actually like is on the fr- the front lines like you said, and genuinely cares about what's happening to her oh yeah, big time it's other people's like commenting I mean not Jared I mean it's other people just kind of like spreading this information about the conspiracy theories over Instagram that it just like I don't I don't know just an I interesting know. thing but but I would say if you want any truthful information, you've got to follow Jared Lipscomb because he cares and he's like authentic about it and I think has kind of been there from the start big time uh, Big time from everything. So we, we want to highlight Jared for sure. And our interview with him was fantastic. I mean, he's really a cancer survivor. He and is funny and so funny and so witty. And we could talk to him all day, but he's, he's wildly talented. And uh, yeah, hashtag free Britney. <laughs> summer is here and we're ready to have some fun. We wanted to tell you about our favorite summer beverage, Bev. It's a crisp dry, refreshing wine in a can. And all five of the flavors are zero sugar and only three carbs, 100 calories per serving. This is pretty incredible. They have rosé, savvy, B, pinot grigio, pinot noir, and sparkling white wine. There's literally something for every occasion. My personal favorite, of course, is got to be the rosé. I love drinking it at the beach and being on my terrace and sitting down and watching New York City fly by. We absolutely love Bev as a perfect addition to any summer activity, brunch, a day in the park, hang out at the beach, or catching up with friends we haven't seen in a year. So for our beautiful Scissoring Isn't a Thing listeners, we've worked out an exclusive deal. Receive 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping on all orders. We definitely recommend Bev. I certainly do. Their newest Sparkling Rosé or try their best-selling Ladies' Night Variety Pack for all of their refreshing varieties. Go to drinkbev.com slash scissoring or use code scissoring at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V.com slash scissoring.
2: Today, is an exciting show. A couple weeks ago, Darren and I had the esteemed honor and pleasure of being on Jared Lipscomb, who I know as Sparkle podcast. Also, isn't Lipscomb kind of the
1: best name for like someone who does makeup like Lipscomb? I just feel like it's a great.
2: Oh my god, I'm so dumb. I been just friends so with good Jared forever and never even <laughs> noticed that. Whoopsie-do. Okay, Jared is a celebrity makeup artist, a drag performer, otherwise known as Sparkle, an activist, and a recent leukemia motherfucking survivor. Ow, ow. This is a very long bio. Hold on one second. So, okay, some of Jared's clients include Vanderpump Rules cast members. Orange is the new Black and Selling Sunset cast members. I feel like you've got a couple of other. Oh, and actually one of his clients is in The Handmaid's Tale, I think, as well, which is pretty cool. And that's not your bio, but I'm throwing that in there. Yes, definitely. He works for incredible places like the homeless shelter in Santa Monica called Safe Place for Youth. You have lended yourself to incredible organizations like Be the Match. Honestly, That's Jared incredible. is one of the most incredible human beings that I personally know. He also makes me laugh. He also do used to do a bunch of makeup at my job, which I slithered him right in there so he could make some dollars, which was really fun. Of course. Jared, welcome to Scissoring Isn't a Thing, finally. Yes. (laughs) Finally.
0: I can't believe, I mean, we were supposed to record like before I got sick. Like this Mm -hmm. is a long time in the making. Yeah. I mean, it's just pinch me, I'm here, you know? Take those scissors and cut me and make it feel real.
1: Hell yeah, (laughs) lips comb. Well, Jared, I mean, you're our friend of the show, obviously, but we ask every guest how they like to identify usually uh, pronouns, sexuality. Would you mind answering that for us? Yeah, of
0: course. So I am a gay cis man who uses the he him pronouns but listen i am not i'm I'm pronoun chill i saw that on TikTok or somewhere so i you know like if i have my makeup on you can call me girly you can uh you know whatever but uh i do identify as a cis man we
1: asked alaska thunderfuck and and alaska said that when she is in drag she uh, you know I think pronoun chill as well but like when you're in drag do you prefer she
0: I do but the only people who don't call me she are straight men who know me personally and who are intimidated by seeing me because I'm already 6'5 without heels and so then they come (laughs) to like my birthday party and then they're like I can always tell who's like afraid and I don't judge them for it because listen I get it it's it can be confusing if you've never seen me in drag and if it's not your thing but I will see you know because I were they'll say Hey, dude. And I'm like, no, 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 sweetie. It's Sparkle, baby. You got to call me she. You got to call me girly. Like you're not calling me dude right now. So but those are the only ones who ever do whoever, whoever get it fucked up. Surprisingly, it's straight men who fuck it up.
2: I mean, so you actually stole my anecdote, which was that Jared is the tall, one of the tallest people that I know IRL. I also happen to be five foot two on a good day. So (laughs) in general, Jared is really, really tall to me. But seeing him when sparkle blesses us with her presence is insane because it's like 7 feet of sparkles and yes. sparkle oh, yeah. also it's funny because in my phone you are sparkle mm-hmm. when we first met i feel like you were doing drag frequently Do, is that correct like were you doing totally. it more frequently yeah 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 and how did you get the name sparkle
0: You know, it's so funny. There's a a famous drag queen. She was on a lot of RuPaul's Drag uh, Race seasons called Jade Jolie. And she became, I I have a lot of one-sided celebrity feuds where I am in a feud with a celebrity. Ah. And funny enough, we Uh. went to college together in Gainesville, Florida, Jade Jolie and I, and I was just getting into drag, like fresh out of high school, just experimenting. I was pretty much doing Britney Spears impersonation. And at the time, uh, Jade Jolie I think was doing like Taylor Swift impersonations or something, but she was very, very um, polished and on the scene, like working the gay bars. But anyways, there was this huge Lady Gaga concert where you could got to win VIP tickets to fly to the Fountain Blue in Miami for her New Year's Eve show. And this was like Bad Romance had just came out. It was the, um, the place to be. It was sponsored by a Gaga radio era. station. You know what yes. I mean? Like radio promo, like full on. Like they were giving out CDs. Like that was the moment. Oh. Anyways. I came in second place. I They didn't tell you what song you had to lip sync to. And so I came in, in as kind of like a Gaga inspired look. I had a weave down to my ass, which is a long weave because as we mentioned, I was very tall and I had tearaway clothes, all these props. But tearaway just, clothes, honey, Hell yeah, come girly. On. And then... Um, but Jay Jolie stole the show because she was such a pro- polished professional, and I was so fucking mad because <laughs> I was like, why couldn't she give it to like this diehard fan? Like I had been following Gaga around Florida and the South with my best friend, dressing up as her. I was calling into the radio station. The radio station knew, be my, knew me by name, and they still gave it to Jade, who dressed as a. By the way, she dresses. I dream of genie, which is not a Gaga cos- costume at all. And um. but she's a very good dancer and a good performer, like a trained one. So, anyways, long long story her name was jay jolie i was so fucking pissed at her that i said that's such a stupid name which so my name came from hatred um oh. which is not a good place you who know who doesn't
1: love a spite name i yeah. love a spite yeah. name but <laughs> yeah. I and so
0: then i started seeing all these other characters and they're, all their names were like diamond things like ruby gemma you know whatever and then they would have a celebrity last name like you would have ruby aniston Jade jolie uh you know just that kind of thing and i thought it was so stupid it was like just the trend in florida apparently so i said you know what I'm gonna go sparkle. Like, what do all of those things do? They sparkle. And then I was like, my original last name, I was like, who's the original it girl? Like, I'm not gonna do Hilton, I'm not gonna do Lohan, Britney Spears, everyone's done like shitney beers, you know, in 2007 and all that shit. So I said, (laughs) I'm gonna do Sparkle Antoinette, because Marie Antoinette was that original Paris Hilton OG, mean girl, bad bitch. So Sparkle Antoinette was born because of my one sided feud with Jay Jolie, who I actually adore on drag race. She's one of the sweetest queens. But at the time when I was 19 in college, figuring it out, I was very mad at her for stealing my front row tickets.
1: I. Love an origin story, and that's amazing. What that is bringing (laughs) up to me is like when I was applying to college. So, you did like the common app, you'll see where I'm going with this in a second. So, you did the common app, and so It was like, I'm not good. I'm not a great writer. I'm a good orator, but I'm not a great writer. And I wanted to write an essay that I thought was going to be funny, but also serious. So I wrote about the three professions that I wanted to be growing up. One is a game show host, which I'm trying to be right now. Marine biologist is the other one. And then the third one was become an American gladiator. And I loved American gladiator because they had names like diamond. Hold
2: on. And the subject of her essay was, I am a dyke. Yes. That literally, like, <laughs> like it is like, what? if
1: you don't know I'm a lesbian from these three things, like, you're going to know. Also, I said that I wanted my American gladiator name to be Rhombus. So was because everyone was like, <laughs> What? Diamond, what? Sparkle, Oil. Like, they all like these really cool names. And I was like, what's the nerdiest, like, uh, you know, like, Pythagoras. Like, what's like the nerdiest, like, girl name I could be? So I wrote this college essay about how my American gladiator name should be Rhombus whole long story. I did go to college and I did graduate. So that's a very important thing. Someone accepted me with that, but yes. it makes me think of like American Gladiator was like the first, it was kind of drag in a way. Yes. Like,
0: and the naming and you have to understand, you can't, you can't follow the crowd with the name. Like you have to, if, if you have a wit about you, you know, you just can't yeah. be like, I couldn't be another diamond in the rough. You know, I had to be, I had to shine, I had to sparkle. So, and my memoir, glisten, that, baby. I, I yeah. wrote a memoir that never uh, existed, but my whole thing I would tell, People when I was in drag that I had a memoir called Sparkle Dust: An Angel's Journey Through Hell, and people would be like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm just working on my memoir." I would stay in full character like all over college campus. I was on the front page of the college, uh, you know, Tribune, like next to Tim Tebow, whoever that is, and just like Please just whoever that is, oh. just being like, uh-huh. "Hey guys, like I'm the drag." I didn't even go to the UF College, and I was still just on their front page constantly, just just harassing a sparkle.
2: Wow. So, okay. I would go to abortion
0: clinics too and, and protest. <laughs>
2: so what came first, though, doing makeup or drag, drag. or drag? OK, I, did, and then-
0: I was working with no I was working with a powder bronzer, a stick, a, a coal pencil and giant pink lipstick. And that was about it.
2: And where did you <sighs> learn how to do drag makeup? Because something that's so interesting to me is that like the way that I apply my makeup now is so much of it is a derivative of like drag makeup, whether it's totally. the contouring or the overdrawn lips or like whatever it is. Yes. So who taught you how to do drag makeup or was your drag makeup just really bad and not even real drag makeup?
0: You know, all drag makeup is drag makeup the second you put on a persona. So I think, I mean, it was objectively bad to, for, for sure. But I look back in the pictures when I was just working with the bronzer and because, you know, blessed with blown bone structure, it wasn't so (laughs) bad, but I just learned myself. I didn't have YouTube at the time. And one of the things I was, you know, when you're young, you're just kind of like can conquer the world. And one of the things I did was enter miss gay days or, Orlando when I was barely, uh, you know, like maze.
1: I had one I giant to was Orlando and I'm yeah. sold.
0: <laughs> I had a, a beehive wig that was blonde because I loved Amy Winehouse. And then my performance was my brother and my best friend who were underage because I was barely 18 or 19 at this point. My brother was underage. My best friend's not allowed to drink. And they were my backup dancers to give me more. And I just did like this horrific, unchoreographed uh, routine <laughs> Sorry, and came I'm in. Just dying
2: because. Gimme more is so... It is song. really the best drag song ever. It <laughs>
0: truly is. And my performance was very reminiscent. And you know, I love Britney Spears, but it was very reminiscent of the one time that she performed at Televised. So right. that was very reminiscent <laughs> of a performance. But I will say the drag queens there were so nice. And that was my taste of community, of like drag community. And they were the first people to help me with my makeup before I went on stage because I came in looking how I did, which I was fine with how I looked. Like I loved it. and But they were like... Sweetie, let me tell you about a little bit more contour. Let me tell you about this. So that was my first like, oh, and then they gave me a name of a shop that specializes in drag makeup in Orlando. And I went there and I spent, you know, maybe a 100 bucks on like cake foundation and and really started to learn from the queens that I met from that. Random pageant that I came in dead last.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, the the only makeup cosmetic I think I can name in the drag world is Anastasia, just because they sponsor RuPaul's Drag Race, and like that's what you get as the gift. So I'm like, oh, is Anastasia? Is it? It's a brand, right? Like a makeup yeah. brand, not a it's store. not okay. a drag
2: brand, though. By the way,
0: like anyone yeah. can use it. Anyone, any makeup right. can be drag makeup. Yeah. Right, so, exactly. it, but it is sponsored for RuPaul's Drag Race.
1: What? I've tried to like pinpoint this in my mind and you're probably a perfect person to ask, like what makes a female worthy of being like this drag icon? Like why Brittany and Gaga and Cher and Celine over like Dua Lipa, Rihanna, Billie Eilish? Like what, what delineates who you I guess you can be a drag of anything obviously I'm not saying it's like no one's going to be like oh my god you're Dua Lipa but like I just don't see a lot of the younger artists I guess Lady Gaga, but like,
0: why Lady Gaga over a Dua Lipa? Why? Yeah, I think there's something, you're talking about like when drag performers are dressed yeah, up, like inspired Yeah, it seems to be by. like the
1: same eight women that yes. are in the lexicon. But like, I don't see a drag Robin or a, you know, I just like.
0: Totally. I, think, yeah. I mean, I think we will see a shift after pan, the pandemic because people were getting much more creative with the um, way they had to perform and do like digital shows. But I think that the ultimate thing is, we relate to the women so much like for Britney, we have these personal connections to these women figures who are, you know, in Britney Spears' case, it's like we identify with her from our childhood. She came with us through our sexuality, like our burgeoning, you know, like one of the first guys I remember being attracted to is someone from a Britney Spears music video, you know what I mean? And so wow. like, we have these like ingrained things. And I think like older generations, cause I know there's a, Oh my God, I'm going to forget his name, but his first name is Glenn, Glenn Allen. And he always does Bette Midler and like, he embodies Bette Midler in a way that it's like, I could see him and not see Bette Midler and be just and die just as happy. Like, he's so good. And he like he performs to like live tracks, like with the audience cheering and he'll like do the vocal things. And I think like for him, you know, he's probably in his 50s and he pr- probably the same situation. He grew up with Bette Midler. He identified with, you know, her imperfections and the role she plays. And I think that's what it is when it comes to these empowered women. And it's also part of like the canon, like you have to get yourself into the gay canon. Lady Gaga is an interesting one because she got herself in quick, you know, because yeah. she came out around the same time as Katy perry and so it's funny it's like why is lady gaga a gay icon and Katy perry is well but
2: don't you think though because lady gaga immediately i mean you can see old interviews where people are that's true you know questioning her sexuality or whatever and she's kind of throwing up the middle finger like being queer is cool whereas Katy perry who came who was brought up incredibly religious her first two albums were Christian oh, rock good
0: point. Yeah. And then yeah. she
2: also, yeah, that's when she was Kate Hudson, everyone. Yeah. And also I kissed a girl is actually really fucking offensive. Actually, you know what I mean? And
0: so. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That makes much more sense. And so that I guess that's part of the reason, too, is because I and now even you say that because I loved Gaga as soon as she came out and I started to watch the interviews and I think of the interview where they say people are calling you hermaphrodite. Is it true? And then she was she's, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but she's like, why are you so obsessed if I have a dick in between my legs? And she said it to like Matt Lauer before he was canceled. It was was
2: Anderson Cooper. Oh, my God, was
0: it? Oh, my God. It's just so iconic. And I think so. So there's just these those women that we just idols and some like And Kylie Minogue, they've just been around so long, and they've just been part of the community. They do the pride events. They put in the work for the gay boys, so we we reward them with streams and um, homages.
1: (laughs) Would we consider Adele a gay icon or no? She's Um, like not in.
0: Delta work does a great Adele impression. So but I don't see Adele pop up as much as I see a Whitney or a Mariah at the drag show. So I think Adele's music is what, and then that's the other thing you got to think of the musicality because we want the theatrics. We want the, you know, so like, if you're a dancing queen, you have Britney and Gaga and all those girls. And if you're a a motive queen, you have Mariah and Whitney and, and Mid. so, you know, maybe there's just, you know, she, she, they'll figure that part out.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's just no males for lesbians that feel that way. Like, I just like, there's no like David Bowie. Yes, but I feel like David Bowie is like a gay icon, not like a lesbian drag king icon in the same way. I could be completely wrong about that. We need um,
0: to broaden the drag queen king world, though. Fuck yes. show, I would love to see a drag king show like with all the like, I mean, oh, my God, there's just so much good music that could be turned, you know, like, oh, my God, it would be so amazing.
2: I agree. Yeah. Something that unifies the three of us, even though there are many, many things. Is that we're all well, actually, you and I, Jared, we're and maybe Darren is a little bit more than us, but we're Bravo adjacent. Right. We're like reality oh, yes. TV adjacent. Yes, oh I'm entrenched, but yes, I would say. You're I'm entrenched. Entrenched. Yeah, yes. no, I know. I <laughs> that's why I was starting to say it. And I'm like, actually, like it's more and then I'm on the yeah. I am like the back of the train. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm the little caboose. You she's know what I'm caboose. saying? In the back. The yeah, train. she's my and and I'm caboose I'm the one right
0: before the caboose. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Exactly. But you know, you do a ton of the Vanderpump girls makeup. I think her name's Chris Lee from Selling Sunset. What's that? Crushelle, Chriselle. Cashel. And I think the last birthday event of yours that I went to was in Los Angeles. You were celebrating your birthday as Sparkle mm-hmm. and the OC Housewives were shooting a special Halloween episode where they all came and <laughs> to support. I was there. I was yes. the only person not shocking anybody that's listening I was begging to be on camera. No one would sign the release for Bravo except for me, Darren. Like, I literally was like, where do I sign and what do I do? And let me flip over this fucking table. Um, Yeah, I I did not make the episode. I was on the cutting room floor. It was my
0: birthday party and I didn't make the episode.
2: Wait.
1: What? I'm thinking out of this conversation I will be back in Hold 10 on. minutes. Oh my just wait. No
2: no no, just wait. No Darren, you you'll I think you'll like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. There was a couple of things I remember from that night. Well, one you cuz it was your fucking birthday, but that's really crazy. But it was drag bingo was the was the scene that I'm setting for everyone. And famously, it kind of sparked these like homo there was like an air of homophobia amongst the girls. Um yes. and Jared, you can describe it more. I don't personally remember any of that fucking happening that night. I remember like this great night. All the ladies were super involved. So the question is, one, do you remember any weird homophobia shit that popped off that night that I don't remember? And two, how does it feel to be someone that is basically on like five Bravo shows, but not ever on the Bravo show?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my God! Truer words, Liz. Truer words.
2: Uh, um, love l- this. Well,
0: okay. T- let's get to the the homophobia. The homophobia edit with Lydia specifically. Lydia, that's so, her name. So yeah, yeah, she. Yeah, yeah. So the edit they gave her was in her talking head. She was very uncomfortable. And I actually was in the ed- the video. I remember now. I was in the episode, but they did cut out that it was my birthday and everything. Of course. But um, I said as long as you mention the charity, you can cut out that it's my birthday. I get it. Makes no sense for why they would come to my birthday. But anyways, the thing is, is I was the cutaway when Lydia was like, I don't know about these men dressed as women and they cut away to her staring and it gives me, it's me in drag and I have this white wig on and a white dress on and I just like give this cutting look to the camera (laughs) that they completely use in this like edit. And the thing is, is like I have a picture and it's of me and Lydia together and she came up and asked for a selfie. She couldn't have been lovelier. I think people, I grew up evangelical by the way, so I understand and have a very sympathetic heart for people who are in engulfed in religion and might be, be, maybe like confused by what they believe and not believe. But Lydia, I will say this. I don't, I did not get a vibe that she, I mean, she came up to me and said, I was beautiful. May I have a picture with you? she asked for a picture with me, like very, like, let me make that abundantly clear. She was not afraid. So not that I love her or standing up for her, but the homophobia was definitely an edit because Tamara was cool as fuck. Shannon cool as fuck. They were to stopping. They were really pros because they were like in the middle of fights. Megan King left in tears. Kelly. Uh, So I
2: actually, one thing to add to this, is I remember, so I went to the bathroom. I kept getting up because I'm like, Let me get in the scene. Hi, (laughs) hi, hi. And I remember Megan King crouched in the back of Hamburger Mary's crying on her cell phone.
0: Yes. Yes. So. That's a
2: good, that's a good memory. Uh, yes. you know, and, and listen, she walked
0: by me from there. So she walked by me and left with her mic pack in hand and she's crying. And I stopped her in full drag and said, thanks for coming to my birthday, Meg. And she was like, you're welcome. and Just left. And then all of a sudden a camera comes following her, like running behind her as she like runs out of hamburger Mary's. And then the rest of the time, I mean, it was a blast. A t- Tamara came up and took pictures. I told Shannon, my beta fish was named after her. And that was what kicked off the entire evening and why I was in, to reach out to her publicist. And they were so great, but it would be so funny because a producer would come and be like, Tamara, you need to go outside. Kelly's like yelling at Megan. And then Tamara would be like, sweetie. And she's drunk as a skunk. Sweetie, I'll be right back to take more pictures. And then she'd go off storming out the door. You know, it was wild. It was truly wild.
1: I definitely want to dive into this evangelical thing. But first, I guess, just along with the housewives, because I will say, I mean, fully entrenched in the housewives world, I've sort of seen the shift in the past 10 years of. Maybe it being like a different generation, a little... Vague homophobia of just kind of not understanding, not as a like I believe you deserve less rights or I don't want you to exactly. get married, but just like a I'm scared of what I don't know and so I probably look ignorant, but I want to learn and that's really like I do give a lot of the housewives kind of credit for that in a lot yes. of ways of like willing to kind of learn on camera um, and 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 getting to interact with you. Do you find though, and and I often bring up Sonia Morgan with this in the Real oh, Housewives I did of New York, too. But- Yeah, and I love her. I'm obsessed with her. But some, I I know that Andy is even kind of, I think it was with Sonia before, saying that sometimes... When they're going to parties, for example, and housewives are going to parties, they're like, oh, well, I'll bring my gaze, right? Like, yes. oh, I'll bring my drag gaze or like whatever. And it's kind of like this property ownership in a lot of ways, like you're a purse or an accessory. It's like, oh, I'll just get my gaze to like do me up beforehand. Yeah. How do you have you ever encountered that? Not just with housewives, but just in general. And then like, how do you care? Do you does it bother you? Like I think that it would bother me.
0: Hmm. I will say this. In my line of work, I am, you have to not be sensitive because you're dealing with people's vanity. So I don't take a lot Mm. of when it happens, and it does happen a lot. It happened with Sonia. And I can share the story because she thought I signed an NDA. We did not sign any NDAs. Nothing, tr- nothing, uh-huh. nothing dramatic. I love it.
2: <laughs> the beginning of this story. Nothing yes. dramatic
0: happened, I will. I mean, but, but she, she really thought we were on an NDA thing, but it was funny because she walked in and she saw me and Bradley who does a lot of the hair for Vanderpump were kind of like a duo before I got sick. And she walked in and she, she was the only one who didn't bring her own glam. It was a, it was one of those cheesy promo shoots with Vicky Gumbelson and Leanne from Dallas. And they had mm-hmm. their glam come with them like from. From Dallas and then Vicky's glam from the OC, of course. And Sonia wanted to save a penny. So she said, Oh, just book someone cheap in LA. And I had just worked with, you know, Bravo doing something else. And so I was like, sure, I'll do fucking icon Sony Morgan. But as soon as I walked in that dressing room, or she walked in whichever way she said, Oh, good, they booked me the gays like I am. O- I only work with the gays. And I was like, Okay, like
1: And she thinks she's being complimentary. Like obviously. She, she totally thought
0: it was complimentary.
1: Right, I will say she also good.
0: offered at the end of the day, she was like, Okay, line up, it's time for our photos. Like, she also did a meet and greet with her glam team at the end. So I don't know if she's <laughs> the best it. example. No, no, fully. It's so Sonia, dude. Yeah, it's and so so Sonya. I don't think she's the best example. And she also demanded different food. She referred to the breakfast burritos that they had as egg wrapped tortillas with a tomato sauce. And I was like, It's a <laughs> it's a breakfast burrito. Um, and she couldn't eat it. So <laughs> she had to have them send out for smoothies, but then she won. She was nice. Like she got us all smoothies for our dressing room. And I felt bad for like Vicky staff who had to eat the normal food, but we were eating like fine dining with Sonia in our private dressing room, you know, but it happens a lot. And I will say that's why I do prefer my younger clientele and more, you know, like, like the girls from Vanderpump Rules. They're never like my gays are here. They're just like, we're friends. So it doesn't happen that often. It's definitely, I, I don't want to say it's a woman of a certain age, but it is, you know, it's kind of like it's it's old generation thing. And it's they think they're being woke. It's the same thing as like the color blindness, like that generation that doesn't see color. It's the same kind of vibe. It's like they don't mean She's bad by it, but it's it's still bad. You know, it's still like it's still you're you're creating us as a queer person, as like your property, your purse, your accessory, not as an equal person. So. But it doesn't bother me personally because I'm like, yes, queen, like, because then they'll tip me more, you know,
1: (laughs) I get it. You got to play. You got to play the hand you're
2: dealt there, Jared. You got to play the hand you're dealt. Did you watch a lot of Bravo before you became the fourth car in the caboose i don't know i tried to really bring that train <laughs> reference did, back yeah, and i yeah, really it. don't know how to do it so yeah. just go with me a little bit here um did you watch a lot of bravo before you started working with Bravo? bravo I loves you I was- did
0: I was obsessed with Desperate Housewives and then Orange County came on. And I remember in high school watching Orange County with my mom. And then when Beverly Hills, I remember like I can remember each house that we because we moved around a lot. I remember the different houses that I was in. And I stopped watching Bravo when I moved to L.A., which incidentally was the same year because I couldn't afford cable anymore. I was like on my own, you know, and it was before streaming and all of that stuff. It was just like Netflix was the only streamer. And so I stopped watching Bravo the same year that Vanderpump Rules debuted because I had just moved. So like while I was moving to LA to become something in the industry and work hard in a restaurant with a bunch of, you know, famous wannabes, the same show just was airing and I what restaurant never
2: did you work at?
0: It's closed now. It was in Venice Beach called Servateca just a bougie uh, Mexican restaurant. Oh, well, I, I always remember
2: Serviteca. You, oh you do? Of course. Well, no, but I mean, like people went there. It was a hot yeah.
0: spot. I mean, there would be TMZ outside, you know, it's like a very cool hot spot. Yeah. Leighton Meester and Adam Brody would show off their engagement rings and stuff. It was it was a place and a, and a, and a time, but. Um, no. So I never, yeah, I never knew about Vanderpump rules. I had kind of fallen off when I moved to LA because it was just, you know how it is. You're 24. I was drinking, smoking, partying, didn't have cable and, um, just getting by. Uh, so I didn't know. I kind of fell off the Bravo wagon.
1: I, sorry, just, just as a side, like why, when we were talking about like the women that you that people especially want to impersonate with drag, what do you think it is about the housewives because most of them are an older generation. Like, what do you think it is about the housewives that like, gay men specifically
2: oh. and in the drag culture
1: just, like, are obsessed with these women? Because they're not performers. I mean, like, Luann's a cabaret star. I get all that. And, like, well, they're easy to impersonate. I, that, well, I'm using I'm using, you, using loose quotes here. Yeah, you. We get I'm you. Just we get saying, you. I'm just saying, what is it about them that you equate this to of being, like, gay men are just obsessed?
0: Zest. I know exactly what it is with and why and who it is and why it is. And it's the reason one word, four letters camp. It is camp because if you look at the girls who are who we idolize, it's the Sonia Morgans, it's the Luanns, it's the Karen Hugers, it's the Kathy Hiltons. It's people who are giving us campy. We liked Sutton first year because she was campy. She was this crazy Southern lady, you know, wearing Dolce and Gabbana made to order or whatever. Like we like this weird couture, camp. Honey, oh, is that what it's yeah? yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad fag. Um, so yeah, so I think it's just total camp. I think it's the camp it's is what it is with those women and that's why so other women aren't like bethany frankel is not a gay icon and if someone says that they're her gay icon like i question they're probably like a rise and grind type of person you know like they probably post rise and grind quotes on their instagram because so Sonya like, is
1: best <laughs> sonia is gay
0: icon <laughs> bethany isn't kyle richard is not a gay icon kim richards is a gay icon you know like it's wait wait you wait, just, wait
2: break that down for me really quickly the kim and wow. kyle thing
0: okay so kyle you would think because of the glam and the, you know, the, and the, the house and the thing, but we, you know, we're a fickle community. So it's not just about the glitz and glam. It's, and that's why Dorit is giving us more as a gay icon this year, because she's giving us the glam that Kyle gives us, but she's giving us camp with these funny TikTok videos. And she's giving us these like, Oh gosh, it's, it's so let's go back to Kyle and Kim. Cause that's a good comparison. So Kyle yeah. is so focused on, not always looking her best because she's on reality TV, but you know, Kyle is put together. She is a mom. She's focused on that mothership. She's focused on this kind of thing that is just not relatable to a lot of viewers. But then we see Kim Richards, who is. A hot mess. Who her first line of the first episode is her slurring about how she walked out with her niece, Paris Hilton, and she says, Paris, Paris, your aunt's an icon. Your aunt's an icon. The gays still quote that. Like, I still text that to my friend, that video of her being like, You think you're an icon, Paris? I'm an icon. Like, in her first talking head from season one, Kim Richards is pure camp. I mean, and there's also a lot of you know, sad stuff that goes with it. But oftentimes, like is the case with Judy Garden and Liza Minnelli, with that tragedy comes this layer of understanding. And we also feel, I think all queer people relate to people who've gone through things Because we've gone through things as queer people. And I think that is also the root of a lot of it. I know I identify more for people who struggle. When Sonia Morgan cries about the Morgan letters, I feel that. You know what I mean? But when Bethany Frankel cries about something, I don't feel that.
1: Is Dorinda a gay icon?
0: Uh, She wants to be so, so bad. And I don't think she is. I just think I think she's an ally. I think she's a strong advocate and ally. I just don't think the stuff she does is I think she's a Bravo gay icon, you know, with clip and her her things. But I think anyone who loves Bravo lebs like I think a housewife in Kentucky or wherever would love Dorinda just as much as a gay man would love Dorinda. Whereas Sonia, I think, is like a special breed. Do you remember
1: a few years ago, both of you, when the Met Ball did camp as the theme this was yes, like in 2018 obviously.
2: maybe no i think it was night it was actually I believe, maybe it was the, the last, last one Mel gala in 19 yeah
1: what because oh, um,
2: then they had that like weird alien
1: one but okay so camp was the theme and i remember thinking i was like in my mind as someone who's like very talk about being the caboose of the fashion world like i'll never <laughs> get invited to the, the mat ball in whatever way but like I try and understand where it's coming from. And for me, I was like, oh, this is like a gay thing that now is in mainstream of like this really professional, like the fashion event of the year outside of like the CFDA awards. I was like, wow, they're like embracing camp, which is arguably a a strictly gay theme. But when
2: I saw the outfits, Mm -hmm. I was like, is this camp? Like Some people nailed it. Some people did not. Kim Kardashian with the wet look and the dripping. And all the Kardashians nailed it. Is that camp? Yes, Mm -hmm. because it's it's basically camp was like derived from ball culture, which is a which is. They
1: have that on legendary right now. It's it's
0: extravaganza, eleganza and over the top. And it is presenting yourself. And honestly, when they had Lady Gaga come out and she did that. 10 minute that that is pure camp she had a wagon she had her makeup artist doing touch-ups on the red carpet as she stripped down changed dresses that is camp if a drag performer did that she would make a million dollars on the stage that night. We would go nuts. It is it, it was camp. Now people missed the mark heavily Big also. Time. Heavily. Heavily missed the mark because people don't, you know, people don't want to be, Oh, I don't want to be weird and like I don't want to look different and I don't wanna be too pushing the limit. And I get that also, like there's a hierarchy of celebrities because Rihanna shows up to the met ball. She can wear whatever the fuck she wants and we're gonna bow down. But like, yeah. you know, Emily Radikowski doesn't have that luxury because we would, you know, be like, Emily, what you doing on? Right. So, like are
1: too young to not know how to fucking do this. thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. We're a little bit more generous. Can we back up for yes. a minute and go to your childhood? You said you grew up as an evangelical Christian. Is yes, that Yes, I did.
0: I Where did. Where did
1: you grow up?
0: I grew up all over the South. I moved a lot around a lot because my dad is a preacher or uh, was a preacher and very fire and brimstone evangelical. Uh, T- Tennessee, North Carolina, Georgia. Went over to the Midwest to Indiana for a little bit and then back to Florida when we finally um, kind of settled down and and lost the the fire and the brimstone and became normal.
2: <laughs> How did you lose the fire and the brimstone?
0: It was my parents. My parents had me very young. So by the time they were about 20 years apart. So by the time your
2: parents are 20 years apart, no, for no, me, like, from you, So, like when
0: they were 20, they had me and okay. they, they grew up in the South and they're just, it just, it was, you know, late eighties, early nineties. It was like that televangelical televangel- yeah. whatever phase. And, you know, my parents come from, homes that weren't made necessarily stable. So they were looking for something. So they found that because in the South at that time, that's what you, that was the cult that you would join. That was the Scientology that would help you find your way. And so they both did that on separate paths, met at a Bible college, a non-accredited Bible college, Ooh. go figure, had us <laughs> kids very quickly. I have three siblings back to back to back. We're all, I'm 33 and my sister is 30. So like back to back to back. And we grew up, you know, I grew up fearing hell, fearing queerness, fearing all of this. And then right around the time my parents turned 30, so I would be 10. My parents are just very forward thinking and have the ability to be like, maybe there's something wrong. And they they something happened at one of my dad's churches. I can't remember. Obviously, I was a ch- child, but it was something very petty where they were like, you know, just as like, wait, this doesn't seem right. Like my dad wanted to help a homeless person. And they were like, well, you can't help a homeless person because he's just going to buy booze. And my dad was kind of like, he just had this epiphany and was like, well, who cares if he buys booze? Like, have you listened to anything that the Bible talks about? Like, have you missed anything that Jesus did for anyone? And he just had this wake up call and obviously it trickled down and they just kind of, they had to come to Jesus, if you will. And they change their route and they're still spiritual based. And my dad is, you know, a master's of divinity, a master of the theology. My mom's a doctor in mathematics. So they're very intelligent people. So they have the capacity to grow and learn from things, which I am so lucky to have had parents like that because so many parents in the South do not have that moment where they're like, wait a minute, something's off. And I think that the fact that I presented as queer from such a young age also made them have to realize real quick, like. We're not going to have a normal. Our first, our eldest son is not going to be what we pictured with the basketball playing and the the southern ideologies that they grew up with, and they were okay with that, and we shifted pretty quickly. So
1: I mean that's incredible, and I think that that like shouldn't go understated. I think that a lot of people can't do that because they're too yeah. embarrassed. I think to recognize that maybe they were believing in something that was wrong this entire time. Um, yeah, that's my opinion of it. But I,
0: so where do you stand on your faith? now what like are you I think after having cancer I you know I I was the first time I faced life or death. So I really don't know because I'm battling these, these feelings now after a couple, you know, after a year post my transplant and being in remission where I'm questioning, like, why did this happen to me? What, who, who do I pray to at night? I will say, wow. you know, I have a level of spirituality. I was not in the hospital praying to Jesus at night. I will say that. So, you know, I, I, I'm not sure what I stand with, but my parent, my dad is still an ordained priest. He doesn't always practice, but you know, he doesn't always work in in the field but because he's a teacher as well and a professor and things but we are a faith family but you know it's, it's cheesy but spiritual but not religious
2: well, <laughs> as no, the dating I think, profile says again when you're faced with something so harrowing yeah perfect word it is i think i think it's hard to not have faith in in something or like yeah. when you come out on the other side of it you know whether that's faith-based religion Or it's just having faith or spirituality in like because like science is actually pretty fucking in some which weird way, like amazing. And you know what I mean? Like organisms grow like you could see like some magical moment in all of this. You know what I mean? But it doesn't necessarily have to be like faith.
0: That's a good point, Liz, because I think that's more where my head is at, because like I think like I got cured from cancer from a stranger who donated his stem cells, he had no idea that I would have, you know, had a 50, 50 chance of living and dying. And now he's given me now that I'm this far out, I have like a 90, I think it's a 98.9. Like it's a very like, Ah. like, which is the same as like, if you're going to die in a car crash, you know, like, so it's very good, good odds. And so like, that is something that's special that he donated his, you know, like to me, the universe works in weird ways. So there is something, but Am I, you know, am I going to church and praying to God? No, I am not.
2: I mean, here's the thing, though. Jesus turned water into wine. And so (laughs) I'm just kidding. That's
1: what they say. (laughs) Although there's. Absolutely no evidence for that, as I've said a million times. I just said it because I knew
2: Darren was going to get all her little panties in a bunch over here. We all know,
0: even my dad, who's a, who's a priest, knows the Bible is an entirely fictional book. The Revelations is a gothic novel. This is my dad, who's an ordained priest and who has been for 40, you know, 40 years or 30 years. So we all know it's a fictional book. And if anyone is saying otherwise, they are deeply misinformed.
1: Wow. He says that? Yes, he's woke.
0: He's woke as fuck, man.
1: Yeah, woke as fuck in the religion aspect I can all get I can get down for. Guess
0: why we left? Guess why he left the Florida diocese? Because they wouldn't. He's part of the Episcopalian Church and the the diocese in the South does not uh, agree with uh, trans priests and doesn't agree with gay marriage and all of this stuff. And so my dad would still marry people. Married trans people, married gay people get in a lot of trouble from the archdiocese of the South. And when he moved, he said, I'm never working in the the Southern diocese again. I
1: know you said that you were kind of maybe obviously queer from when Mm -hmm. you were a kid in some sort of way that maybe like a parent might pick up on or if they're not picking up on it, they're not paying attention. But so did you need to like come out? I still did come
0: out. Yes, I did come out just because it was one of those things like I was all of my friends were girls. I was having sleepover with girls, you know, in high school, like 16 years old. And no one was like, why is there a boy at the sleepover? Which normally, obviously, it would be like no boys allowed, you know. So it was very obvious. But I still did have that moment because, you know, my parents were still raised in that in religion. So funny enough, my mom, I don't want to say had a harder time with it, but she had a, you know, about 20 minutes of like. Okay, let me process this. Like, I don't know gay people. You know, she grew up in Texas and she grew and then went to a Bible college and just didn't know gay people. So
2: Unaccredited.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah <laughs> an unaccredited Bible Cated. college. And then also <laughs> you have to remember they grew up in the AIDS scare. So then her big thing was like the typical thing that I feel like every 1980s gay baby hears uh is from their parents is like, I'm just worried about you having a happy, healthy life. Like I'm so worried sure. about and it's like, I get that, you know, like it, but it is an old-fashioned, outdated rhetoric. Like you know we've come so far from was it reagan or nixon who who started the aids fear reagan yeah that fucker so my my mom was just you know spewing his his rhetoric that she grew up with so overall it was a very easy experience and i again once again i i realized how privileged i am for to have that experience.
1: I mean, I think that's incredible. I mean, I think your story, you know, when we talked about how you're, you're a survivor, is that the correct term? Uh, A cancer survivor? Is that, is that, you know, I just got into
0: this because I was under the impression from a scientific standpoint, doctor standpoint, you're five years in remission. Then you are, In the clear, like five years in the clear, but I actually just spoke to a survivor who tagged me in something on Instagram on a day. I was feeling very like an imposter because someone had posted me on an account as a survivor and I was kind of feeling weird about it in my head. And someone posted the same day saying, like, you're a cancer survivor the second you get the diagnosis because you're surviving. That those words being spoken to you and wow. having to process it the moment it happens. You're surviving all of those horrible treatments. You're surviving being poked and prodded. The mental anguish. Your survivor. You know. And then it also, I don't like it now. Uh, I'm not sensitive to it at all. But I don't like it because it's so sad for people who don't live they're still a survivor. They still survived, you know, the cancer in some capacity. So I feel like the second you get those words, you are a cancer survivor. And that's kind of, I like that. It makes me feel less of an imposter. It makes me feel like I don't have to wait for five years to get my life moving. And it gives me the courage to say, I'm not going to focus on the cancer today because I am a cancer survivor. So that's where I stand on it personally.
1: I love that. I think that's beautiful. You know, we, given that you're really about second chances. And I think that you talk about second chances a lot. And I'm curious for you just in the culture that we're sort of living in now, where I think there's a big reckoning of people, maybe a different generation of kind of understanding the language you're supposed to use or like why it was wrong 10 years ago, but now we really should come to terms with it. And we talk about cancel culture versus council culture in Mm -hmm. your mind. Are you Because you're literally the living epitome of a second chance, if that's maybe the appropriate term here, are you more empathetic to giving other people sort of a second chance to kind of redeem themselves? Like if someone's, someone's being egregiously horrible or bad, or maybe just ignorant, are you like a do away with them type of person? or Are you kind of, after everything that you went through, do you kind of come with it with a little bit more grace than you would have before?
0: You know, it's, it's so weird because I do feel like it's, you just become an unofficial expert in starting over and second chances and i see these effects that have happened to me from very real things that they warn you about like you know you're going to lose some friends who can't handle your diagnosis you're going to lose people in your life things are going to be different you're going to have to start over i can't do makeup like i used to i cuz my hands are so shaky from i don't have you know the dexterity and all that is to say is if i'm going through that with a second chance you know and i've gotten this second chance and i have to relearn Anyone who's faced with this within reason should be given a second chance, at least a chance to say they're sorry, at least a chance to say to be held accountable. I don't think. You know, I, again, and I, I always separate this because, you know, the right wing loves to mix up cancel culture with like, you know, like when we cancel the people who raided the the Capitol building or whatever, those people were criminals and terrorists. That's not the same thing as cancel culture. But when someone is <laughs> literally, mis- literally, right. a terror. yeah, so <laughs> like- that's not the, But like the right wing will be like, oh, they're canceling their lives or taking away their livelihood just because they were protesting. It's like, no, that's I don't have sympathy for that, obviously. But when it comes to someone like. You know some people that I've known who've been on television shows who've who've you know essentially Chrissy gotten Teigen canceled recently. Yes, I've I've spoken about out about that a lot lately. You and have also, I,
2: your Instagram post was funny, where you're like, "Well, that story yeah. didn't yeah, age yeah well. it didn't
0: age well." But again, I still have this empathy for Chrissy Teigen because also there's just no fucking nuance, and with the internet, and I think yeah. that's what's missing is there's no nuance because the point of it is is the woman who is accusing Michael Costello of that. Of that, horror, of of the racist behavior, she's doubling down, and 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 it's like, are we now not believing a black woman who's saying, you know? So it's very confusing, and right. it's just like. I wouldn't want to write off one person just because I hear one side of the story. You know, I wouldn't want to I would hope that I would have after everything that I've been through, I would hope that I would have the grace to give someone else because so many people gave me so much grace. And I know it's a different situation because mine was, you know, I could have died and it was not my fault. But at the same time, I got so much grace and so much love from people we can extend it to people or at least try to understand where they're coming from. Listen, if they don't want to make, a, if they don't want to make amends and they don't want to admit that they were wrong, you know, Um, then fuck them. They don't, they don't then, then let the internet do their thing. But even with this Chrissy Teigen thing, I'm fully, I'm still not on board. And of course, I'm not on board with Michael Costello's uh, feelings of suicide. I love when things with mental health get brought up because I think there's an underlying factor with this mob mentality, with the cancel culture, with trolls that there were in the midst of a new age of mental health issues brought on by social media. And I think Chrissy Teigen was a, was a mental, had a mental health issue. Clearly Michael, Michael Costello has, you know, dealing with suicidal ideations is an awful thing. So it's bringing really important conversations to the forefront. But overall, I will give people the grace to have a second chance because I had a second chance and life is short. It's not life is too short to not have grace for people.
1: We're calling this episode saying grace with Jared Lipscomb.
2: Just saying <laughs> just, no, we're, we're just, calling yeah. it put the boot in the caboose. OK, hold on. <laughs> That is a perfect segue. One, Jared, I just love you so much. I I love love you you more, Jared. I love you more. I
1: love you (laughs) more. I love you more. I know I love you more.
2: Okay. but that's a really perfect segue because we tried to create a game for you that would live up to the games that you have on your show. Not sure if we succeeded, but are you willing to play a little game with us today?
0: A fuck to the yeah.
2: what if he was
1: okay. like, absolutely not, and then just signed off?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you Matt, I'm like, no, thank you. I'm actually really tired you- now.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're like, done. Mm, that would have been awesome. Okay. So this game is called Second Chance or The Last Dance. And I'm going to put boom. two people, images, ideas in front of you, and you have to decide who gets a second chance and who gets donezo. the last dance?
0: So that means they're done. Like yeah, they're, they're canceled. This is like, their
1: last. This is their last dance. It's they're over off, for them. They're off the dance floor. We're uninviting them to the Don't wedding. Don't be after shady this. with my.
0: Are you going to be shady about my friends?
1: Yep. Yep. <sighs> okay, take it away, Liz. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. Don't you wish you signed off the Zoom early? Okay. Derek
2: Barry
0: or Miss Britney Spears? Oh, Derek Barry can just like fuck right off. <laughs> Okay. He didn't even know about Stonewall. He can just like fuck right off. He
2: I go mean, fuck well, himself. Derek Barry oh. for all of the Drag Race listeners. God, Derek Barry just like really puts himself in these situations. He is so
0: dumb and he, he is- does not look like Britney Spears. And he just thinks he does. Uh, I mean, he did for a while, but like he needs to chill. Like and I love Britney Spears to no end. She needs to be free. She needs her autonomy. And what's happening to her is a an affront on womankind and taking away women's autonomy so fuck derek berry and save britney spears she deserves her real second chance
1: okay we got tamra or vicky from the real housewives of orange county which by the way fuck. my dad said to me the other day he was like he's sitting on the couch and he's like did some of the housewives from RHOC get uh, fired and i was like r-h-o-c dad and i was like oh, i'm just impressed God. he said RHOC, and i was like i love you so much anyway Tamara or Vicky.
0: Go. Oh, fuck, this is a tough one. Okay, I'm gonna go based on personal opinions because I I've met both of them, obviously. But of Tamara course. came to my birthday party and she stayed around, took pictures. And I think also the way she acted, the way she is seems to be willing to learn. I would give I would be more likely to give her a second chance. And Vicky just seems very set in her ways. And Vicky, I mean, I think they're both Trump supporters just by looking at them. But it Uh seems like Tamara might be like, "Uh, maybe Trump wasn't such a good idea where I feel like Vicky's like, I'm going to vote for. You know how people say, like, I would vote for Obama for a third term. I think Vicky would vote for Trump for a third term. So fuck Vicky. Keep Tamara.
2: Okay. the next one, who gets a second chance catch up? Or mustard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Catch up>. Ketchup. Ketchup <laughs> gets a second chance over mustard. <gasps> no. No, mustard. Come mustard on, Mustard gets a second chance. Oh, oh see, yeah. Mustard. I disagree.
2: Ketchup all day, baby. Ketchup all day.
0: I love all varieties of mustard, so mustard gets my second chance.
2: Okay. I agree with you. We got Jax
1: Taylor or Stassi Schroeder from Vanderpump Rules. What are we thinking here?
0: Fuck you guys. <laughs>
1: way more mean he, with this. She could have been so much shadier. I could have know been that. shadier. And she you know could have really. Yeah. Come on now, Jared.
0: You're not getting what you want. As I have said many a time, I cannot separate the good deeds that people have done for me during my cancer experience as friends from what people have done publicly. Now, I believe that Stassi has made more of a mess of her from what she said and has a lot more cleaning up to do. I speak to saucy personally and privately, and I think she's on the road to redemption. And I don't think Jax has done anything besides make a great reality TV show villain and do things like that. But again, I know you hate this PC answer, but they have, they were both by my side during the roughest two and a half years of my, or two years of my life where I've had friends for 10 years who weren't as close to me, supporting me. I'm talking financially gifts. I can't, I just can't do it. Sorry.
1: Uh, it's no, fine. I think that's a sweet answer it though. And I'm glad that, and glad also that people, because mm. in reality world too, like as someone who's very caked into this, I think people only see what they see on camera and they don't tend to view these people as real life people. And so, I'm glad to hear that. I, think I that's understand. A thing listen to, to have. me. I
0: understand why. I understand. Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. Of course.
2: Okay. Rosie O'Donnell or Ellen, who has a second chance or who gets
0: the last dance? Oh my God. You guys, I'm so torn by this one because I feel like there's such, like, okay, I'm just going to, oh my God. Okay. I'm giving it to Ellen because I feel like she really deserves the second chance. I feel like. You all educated me a lot about the journey that she went on, which I was just a kid when, you know, when she came out, like I was maybe four or five years old. So I was unaware of of the story of Ellen's of her of everything that happened to her. And I know Rosie faced a lot of stuff as well. But I think just Ellen paving the way and this whole nasty like weird queen, a mean queen, a nice thing that happened during the pandemic when we were all bored, just looking for stories to I, I, I'm giving it to Ellen. I, I don't hate Rosie at all, but I just feel like Ellen deserves to be to give the second chance. She's brought us so much joy.
1: I agree with that. She's also gotten publicly humiliated twice. So I agree with her.
0: Yeah, it's like fuck it.
1: Monogamy or polyamory.
0: Ooh, I'm a strong monogamy guy. I am too jealous for polyamory. I know people say, well, you that's not what it's about. But sorry for me. I am too jealous. I would be in jail for manslaughter. Well, not manslaughter, ha- murder in the first degree if I was in a three-way relationship. <laughs> OK,
2: amazing.
1: Last one. I love this one, Liz.
2: Intense contouring or intense sparkle eyeshadow.
0: Oh my God. Contouring is canceled. We, we still do it obviously, but this mythos that we've created behind our zoom facade with our ring lights on us from the, from the years that we've had it is going out the door. And I guarantee when we start getting out and about, you're going to see people looking bat shit crazy looking like they got shit smeared on the side of their face shit coming down the side of their nose especially in the summer heat listen you're much safer with a glitter eyeshadow especially for the summer it's pride you know like let's get it going glitter all day because you can go from big to little, but the contour, everyone's still gonna contour, but this heavy contouring, uh uh-uh, uh, it's got to go.
1: Amazing. I mean, he's the glitter of our life, right? Like, Jared's the glitter to me and you, he's the glitter to our caboose. Like, I'm the sparkle I- bitch. Hey, you are the sparkle bitch. You are the fucking glitter, fantastic eyeshadow. You're making the caboose fucking work. Like, let me just say, I want to be in the back of the train. And I've never said that before about anybody. Jared, thank you for playing. I'm glad that this was like a very hard, like you were a cancer survivor, like five years in remission. And this might've been harder than anything you've ever done. So I, I saw the struggle there. I saw it in you. You can thank Liz for this, um, but we thank you for being a good sport. And I'm really happy no, that I- you- Love the, uh, I love
0: a game. I love a game, yes. especially. Uh, I tried. I,
1: I, tried. Love a, um,
0: I love a game that doesn't make sense to where it's like, what is it? Because it's like so funny. Oh, my God. That it's was like, such what a are good the one. Rules?
1: And it's like ketchup or mustard. It's like, what? And you're just like, you were like mustard. And I was like, he gets it. he it. Yes, got like mustard it for it sure. It so well,
0: because, you know, Honey Dijon and whole grain. and Oh, my oh God. God. Just, right, right. Should oh we do we a mustard do podcast? On. Oh, no.
1: my God. That's great. No, no. no. Liz <laughs> is out. Um, Jared, where can the people find you, follow you, send you? good wishes send you dick pics
0: oh my god please i am mainly an instagram whore at jared lips and of course my podcast back on air with jared lipscomb is available everywhere
2: you can find us at at siat podcast darren is at carpe darren i am at listen to liz Can you guys do us, Jared, and us a favor? Can you go- Can you rate us? Yeah. Can you leave us five stars? Can you write a nice review? It takes two seconds. Even if you're like,
1: Jared's dick is huge on scissoring isn't a thing. Like, we'll take that. Like, we want that compliment. You know what I mean? And we'll take it from Jared. We have no problem. Also,
2: like, it would be very homophobic if you did not leave (sighs) a five-star review on our podcasts. Yes, that's great. make sure to rate, subscribe like Jared's podcast back on air. It's amazing. It is so funny. We were recently guests. Listen to that episode. And please do the same for time. us. Um, Jared, I love you so much. I, I love, love you, you
0: all. Thank you so they much. This you. has been such a fun time. Can't
2: wait to see you in person. Yes. Scissoring isn't a thing is a production of Embassy Row. Our executive producer is Sarni Rogers. This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anna Marie Johnson. The show is edited by Maureen Begus. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at SIAT Podcast. See you next Tuesday.